0: How are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? This is PAC Center, your one-stop shop for all things Nevada sports, the only student-ran sports podcast here on campus at the University of Nevada, Reno. I'm your host, Austin Paschke. Joined with me currently is Isaiah Burroughs. Isaiah, thank you so much for joining. You are a writer for Carson Now, Tahoe on stage, the Nevada Sagebrush, there's pretty much Nothing you don't do here with Nevada Sports, Nevada Athletics. So thank you so much for joining. Oh, no problem. And uh, Tyler Seth is our current or usually our co-host. He is out of town. He is traveling the world, Uh, Australia, Tanzania. He's all over the place. He's having fun. So I got Isaiah in here with me. We're going to be breaking down some Nevada sports. Stay tuned, guys. We are going to be breaking down football, women's basketball, men's basketball, And last but not least, we'll be announcing this week's Pack Player of the Week. So stay tuned, guys. We have a great episode, and we'll be right back. And we're back, ready to rock and roll. We got some football. Let's start off with some football because we have a pretty important bowl game. Uh, did you watch the famous Idaho Potato Bowl? Couldn't miss that. It was much watch, <laughs> must watch TV over there.
1: No, I did. That was the only bowl game on throughout that. What? what, what was that? December? Oh, January third. 3rd, right? Yeah, January third.
0: Bowl game going on. So. Took on Ohio, lost 30 to 21. Definitely a tough loss in that Idaho Potato Bowl. We finished the season seven and six, four and four in conference. Finished the season with a shocking loss to UNLV. We both saw that in the press box, Uh, that ugly brawl after UNLV, and then the loss in our bowl game to a 6-6 Ohio team. Those are the three events that are going to be kind of cemented in fans' minds when they think about this season of Nevada football in that Idaho Potato Bowl game. Started off with an MVP showing up, like always, Brandon Talton. I mean, did we even have... (laughs) Did we even wonder when he stepped on the field for that 51-yard field goal? I think that tied the uh, Potato Bowl record for longest field goal. And, uh, yeah, we started with a 3-0 lead. Ohio's rushing game took over. We saw that. We definitely could not stop them. At the end of the game, they finished with 285 y- uh, total net yards, three TDs in this game. Um, then there was multiple field goals back and forth. It was eventually 20-9 to in favor of the Bobcats at half. Third quarter, extremely bad for us. Didn't put a point on the board. Had the ball for only about four minutes. Nine plays accumulated for 41 yards. Kind of what we've been seeing, a very slow start. We really didn't have any momentum until that fourth quarter. Two TDs made the game 30-21, to ultimately the end, uh, the end score. We got to the sixth-yard line from that nice pass from Strong to Cooks. Uh, it was kind of coming down to the nitty-gritty there in the fourth quarter. We had that questionable play call to say, st- to say the least, with that uh, with that reverse. What do you think about that play call?
1: I was a little shocked. He right. Was a little shocked. I thought we were going to keep the ball in Strong's hands. He got us that far, and the throw you referenced to Elijah, Elijah Cooks down yeah. the sidelines was absolutely on the money. I was one of the best throws of his college career to this point.
0: But ultimately, there was kind of some. There was a couple questionable play calls in the entire end of the game. I mean, there was a play call to um, not kick the field goal, go for it. There was just a bunch of, I mean, even yeah, the reverse. There was a bunch of play calls where I'm thinking, you know, we made a lot of play, we made a lot of changes on the defensive coaching side of the ball, but maybe we should have looked to the offensive side of the ball to give us some boost for the play call because it was literally it was atrocious. The last how we finished the game was not nice, um, but that fourth quarter at least brought us into the game. Thirty to twenty one was the final score. Without that fourth quarter, it could have been a very very ugly game. I was impressed with the way we closed the game. I think with our young players, um Carson really su- like he had a really good game in my eyes. Very su- surprised me. 31 for 49, 402 yards, 1 TD, no interceptions, which is something that you like to see in a young quarterback. And I think our young players played, well, won the entire game. You you kind of worried about them giving up after a score like that. But um they played the entire game, gave it all they had and ultimately just wasn't enough at the end. What um ultimately impressed you about this game and what disappointed you about this game as well?
1: I think the first thing about it was those 12 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I thought it really showed the resilience of this program. And considering how much youth we have on both sides of the ball, especially offensively, there's yeah. only going to be room for growth. And I thought from that standpoint, I was really, really happy with just how efficiently we moved the ball down the field mm-hmm. and then the plays we made defensively, the Don Peterson strip sack. Yeah. they stopping them, back-to-back stops on forcing them to fourth and six, fourth and short, so they can't use that option play anymore. Those were some of the important developments that I saw and really took really good notes on, I found. And then, obviously, we had those red zone struggles, back-to-back possessions with the fumble and then the turnover on downs, but the resiliency of our young guys was really, really impressive. And, wow, I can't say enough about it. I thought we really made it a game.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was kind of worried about was watching the first, let's just say, like three quarters. um, Pretty much the entire game, I'm watching it like, are we going to actually make this a game? And like that was the one thing where I was really impressed with was like, yeah, we made it a game, and uh, we actually made Ohio kind of nervous there at the end, just we couldn't pull it out. One thing I was very impressed with, and we'll be able to see this next year as well, is that Carson to Elijah connection. Uh, Elijah Cooks is slowly becoming one of the best Nevada wide receivers I've seen in a very long time. Um, You can just throw the ball up, and he has the jump ball for – he's like Randy Moss. You just throw it up there, and he'll be able to somehow grab it and uh Carson's starting to while obviously his arm needs to develop just a little bit more he's developing the ability to throw it downfield to Elijah and really make things happen. That combo is going to be really really nice to see next year as Carson, you know, develops more. Elijah's going to be a senior next next year as well. Um one thing that disappointed me in this game was our run the ability to not run the ball. Really, the yeah. the inability to run the ball for Nevada um 29 net yards, but Devontae Lee had that one touchdown. Toa Tawa had a team-high 48 uh, rushing yards on six carries, but due to the sacks, obviously, our net yards went down to 29. Um, Devontae Lee, again, another bright spot, obviously, with his touchdown. It seems like every game he's in, he's at least getting one touchdown. Um, Like we've been saying here on the podcast, probably the best red zone running back uh, in the Mountain West. He's up there for sure. Right, I mean, it's gotta be. In, inside the 10-yard line, I think it's an automatic touchdown when he put Devontae Lee in there.
1: And, you know, you saw those two wildcat plays, third yeah. and short and fourth and short. Yeah. You, you already know who the is going to, and he plows his way for at least four or five yards. Right, and the
0: defense knows where the ball's going to, and they, they can't stop it no matter what. Um, but I was really, like, very, very unimpressed with the running game, and I feel like um we've said it before obviously we were down a lot so we couldn't run the ball late in the game we had to throw uh hence the 50 passing attempts by Carson (laughs) but I mean really this the inability to run the ball was I think kind of the point where we can say yeah that's why we lost the game I think we're most effective when Toa has the ball in his hands Uh, I have said it here on the pod before I think it's about 20 touches I think that he can kind of get his um, best game in and obviously we did not see that with six carries. Um do you think there is something in this game that could have gone a little different to where we could have won this game ultimately ended the season on a high point for these fans to kind of be like, you know what? This season was somewhat a success and uh we can build high going into next year's team.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought I thought we were at least going to try to counter Ohio's potent rushing attack. They had mm-hmm. almost 154 yards in the first half alone right. rushing wise and they were dominating time of possession, but with Our possessions in those first half, I thought we were a little sluggish to start. I thought we were going to at least try some sort of balanced attack, like you mentioned with Toa, Mm -hmm. which was obviously disappointing. We kind of stretched the field really early, and Carson couldn't complete. A lot of deep balls to Elijah. Mm -hmm. We even Ben Putman down the sidelines, if you saw that That had a great game, yeah. But as the fourth quarter kind of went along, you saw a little bit of Toa Tower, mm-hmm. interestingly enough, the 12-yard gain to help us get to that yeah. point on the six-yard line where, obviously. ultimately, the fun, where well, we couldn't yeah. convert, but right. we obviously got some form of production from both Devontae Lee and Toa Tower, and I was impressed with that. I wish we kind of involved them early on in the game plan, but right. being down in a hole so early, 20 to nine, heck, even 20 to six at that point, I understand the need to. Exactly. Get the ball out of your hands quick and just right. try and make plays offensively.
0: Exactly. We need some sort of, you know, passing game because when especially when we're down so much. Um, our defense, that was one point where I was like, oof. That was a that was a disappointing point. Because granted we did have some suspensions. Uh we didn't see Sewell until the second half. Daniel Brown, that was a huge loss. Yes, that was a gut punch to where um already a bruised and batter just Really, really thinned out secondary, and then you have Daniel Brown, are, are, no doubt the leader, no doubt the um, the best secondary player we have on the team. Senior leader, he was out for this game, so that really hurt. But ultimately, like you said, it was their running game. I mean, they just did not slow down. They had it seemed like there were there was no defense when they were running the ball. Um, Three hundred and eleven total yards, two hundred eighty-five net yards. They were averaging five point seven yards. Per rush, and that went down. I think in the first half or the first quarter, they were averaging like seven, seven,
1: eight.
0: 7.8. Horrible. I believe that. That is. That's crazy. I mean, that's almost a first down every single time you run the ball. That is atrocious. So that was one where I was like, yeah, that is. That was kind of when you hang your hat on this loss. I mean, you can look at our defense and kind of say, you know, you can't let a team run all over you the way that we did. Um, three for 12 on third downs. I think they weren't too much better. I think there were two for 11, but either way, I mean, three for 12 on third downs, this game was so close when it came down to the nitty gritty, like down towards the end of the game. When we actually did bring it back, you look back to those first three quarters. And if we just would have played mediocrely, we could have honestly won this game. And um, it took a team to kind of, I mean, Ohio didn't have the best game and they still beat us. I think handedly until that very last quarter and then you look at the end of this game, you look at the end of the season, just kind of the headlines around this season, the UNLV loss, the UNLV brawl, the now this potato bowl. Um, we've been saying over and over again that Coach Norvell is no longer on the hot seat. Um, mm-hmm. But after this game and after this season, you have to say, what is next year looking like? What is the... You know what is the coaching scheme look like? Do we bring in a new OC because this offense obviously has no identity at all? We don't know if we're an air raid offense. We don't know what we're doing. So is there some kind of hot seat that's going on? Maybe not Norvell. Maybe it's Mummy. Maybe it's someone where we're looking ahead to next season and what is really going to happen with this team next season?
1: I think at some point we'll get to that discussion. But for right now, no way am I firing head coach Jay Norvell. I mean, in three years I agree. he's given us to two straight bowl appearances. Mm-hmm. First bowl win and a first eight and five record since we joined the Mountain West Conference right. last year in the Nova Arizona home Arizona Lone home right. bowl
0: and going into the end of this season we were looking at a potential um, back-to-back eight win season yes yeah this yeah. win would have done that right this
1: win obviously and then right. we would have had back-to-back bowl, bowl wins, wins for right. the first time in school history but I know the way we ended the year with back-to-back losses to UNLV and Ohio kind of ended the season on a sour note mm-hmm. I guess but What's really gone unnoticed is the three straight wins before that, including a win on the road at San Diego State, mm-hmm. a win on the road at Fresno State to put us into bowl contention. And that really shows the heart of this program that Jay Norvell has really instilled with our young guys. And I think as this program grows and grows, it's only going to get better on both sides of the ball. We are so young. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I was very impressed by it, not only how we ended the year, but how we ended the last game of the year against Ohio. And I think that will really just speaks volumes to the character and the production that Norvell's instituted on this program.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's way too early to um, jump off the J train. I think that he has, (laughs) I do. I think, I think he has a great hold on this team. I think he has a great um, kind of overall, just like a Nevada grit, like kind of hold, you know what I mean? Like this kind of, this way that they play football and that's really instilled and that starts with him. And before we look towards next season's schedule, looking on how we might be and how we might fare, do you think this season was a successful season? All in all, do you think this season was a season that we can hang our hats on and say 2019 was a successful season for Nevada football?
1: I would say so, and I know if you look at it as a whole, oh, seven and 6 with a bowl loss, right. a, a step back from last year, but are you taking into account the new faces under right. center? Definitely. Are you taking into account both? New strides on both sides of the ball, kind mm-hmm. of a new offense throughout the midpoint of the season. Very and, young
0: secondary. I the, mean, on both sides.
1: And how we started the year, right? Compared to how we ended the year, that's how we ended the year is going to look more, more, and more as this future, as the like, as the program keeps going on in the future. That's going to be the thing you can hang your hat on. Is. Right. Let's play how we ended the year. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think. With that being said. I know with the bull loss and the UNLV loss, the two maybe most right. prominent losses, no way am I hanging this right. hat on a disappointing season whatsoever.
0: Well, because you look all across Twitter and I mean this is this is very, very common for Pac fans. And I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not a like it, but you you see a lot of the sky is falling on Wolfpack Twitter. On almost every loss. You know what I mean? The sky's falling, um, no offensive identity, blah, blah, blah. But you see a lot of people saying that 2019 was not a successful season because of how we did end the season, how it's such a sour taste in your in people's mouths, and then they look ahead to 2020 and it's like, well, what's, how is this team really gonna look in 2020? Who's coming to Mackey? How are the fans gonna respond? And are they gonna still come out to Mackey Stadium and support the Wolfpack? Because you see, the 2020 schedule is not not not, not too bad, right? And not too bad for a favorable matchup. For the pack, but not too bad to where like I don't know if fans are gonna come out to Mackey. You know what I mean? Because you look at you see UC Davis, the first game that's at Mackey. We travel to Arkansas, probably the team at Arkansas we don't we wouldn't want to play. <laughs> we want to play the basketball team probably, but we play the Arkansas Razorbacks in Fayetteville, and then we have UTEP, arguably one of the worst you know FCS teams to um or FBS teams to come to Mackey. UTEP, um, horrible.
1: Well, we played them. Right. Should I say last year? Now, not right. this year. Right. Exactly. We played them, we played them last, year. last year and got a win. So.
0: Right. And but v- narrowly got a win. Um. But they are arguably one of the worst teams to come, and we um are going to be playing at Mackey, and then we play USF at USF. That'll be a fun game to watch. Actually, I'm actually excited for that one. But then you look, and then we have Mountain West schedule, so you don't have a key non-conference game at Mackey that teams really want to come out. You don't have a Purdue. You, you know what I mean? You don't have an um, Oregon State. You don't have these teams that are coming to Mackey and you, you really want to see them play the Wolfpack. And then even the teams that are coming to Ma- Mackey, Fresno State, okay, they had a really down year last year, but it is a good team to see at Mackey. Uh, they might have an uptick. They got rid or he stepped down, their head coach stepped down. And um, so they have a new program coming in at Fresno State, kind of be a rebuilding year. But then you got San Diego State. That'll be a great game as well coming to Mackey. Utah State. Three back to back to back great games coming to Mackey, and we have another home game at Wyoming, um, or Wyoming's coming here, and then um, that's it. So four straight home games at Mackey. So you're looking. It's like I don't know if these fans are really gonna come out and support the Wolfpack um, like they have been, even though they have been going down in, in attendance. But you just you're kind of worried. It's like is that trend gonna continue, especially with a down year? Uh, down 2020 season at Mackey, and then how this season ended.
1: I certainly hope not. Right. Because you know what I mean? There's a lot of enticing conference matchups coming on yeah. here. Like, last year we had to play Fresno State and San Diego State on the road. Right.
0: Yep, exactly. Both huge
1: wins to our season. And now that they're coming here, I'm so excited for that. Right. And I know with Jordan Love entering the draft from – the former Utah State quarterback. Utah State right. has a great program in place. That should be a dogfight.
0: Yes. Utah State's only getting better. It seems like their program's going up and up almost every single year. So no matter who's under center for Utah State, the Aggies are gonna come to play. You know what I mean? So yeah. I I I totally agree with you, man. Fresno State, San Diego State, Utah State, that three game homestand, um, and then obviously Wyoming comes after. But those three those three teams, man, it's gonna be a great gonna be a great matchup in Mackey.
1: Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of attendance, I know I, I kinda I'm not trying to speak like I'm some sort of higher level authority because right, right. I'm sitting in the press box right. where it's warm or it's cool depending on the weather. Exactly. I'm I'm We got chilling. it nice up there. Yeah, yeah I'm, exactly. I'm chilling. I right. can't I don't know what it's like for a fan to sit on the bleachers in a you know sub 20 degree weather right watching a team, you know, either win or lose. Sometimes the result of the match doesn't even matter exactly. if you're not happy watching it. So I understand both perspectives, but I really hope attendance kind of gets a kick up this year and especially with these enticing conference matchups coming up
0: 12 games how do you think this this next upcoming year is going to go are we looking for another 500 win season do you think that's below us now yes yeah yeah because sure. especially because the talent I mean you look at our non-conference you are you can argue for a three and one you can argue for a two and two non-conference schedule I think three and ones.
1: three and one is Right, doable, is doable. Easily.
0: This Arkansas team is not good by any means. They're I think they're one of the worst teams in the SEC. Granted the SEC is a amazing. Powerhouse. Yeah, that's just probably the best um, conference in college football, but this is one of the worst teams in there. I think we can go 3 and 1 in non-conference and then you're looking at our conference schedule, we could probably split if not get most of those games as wins. Uh, how do you think the twenty twenty is going to fare out before we wrap up this uh, football talk?
1: If I had to go with a way too early prediction, I'm going seven five. Early. Yeah, okay, and that may be optimistic, right? Speaking on the high note, but just another year of Carson Strong. Yeah, p- depending on if there's anyone else under center. Right, right. Another year of Elijah Cooks. Another year of Toa Tower. Yes. Another year of Devontae Lee on the defensive side. Another year of Dom Peterson, who had that strip sack in the. Mm-hmm. Ohio, Sam game. Hammond, was, another defense, another, yeah. another defensive event. I yeah. mean, I think we're only going to grow right. and grow and grow. This year, considering the circumstances we had, I did not expect us to end the year on a high note. I think we, Jay Norvell, institutes that early on, and yeah. we really don't get off to the slow start we did last year.
0: Right. Yeah, I agree. I think seven and five is right around there, man. And another um, bowl appearance. Right, right. And that would be crazy too—three straight bowl appearances. Uh, yeah. I don't. I think it's way too early to jump off the tra- J train. I think he has this team. Um, on the up and up, I think seven and five's right there. Dare I say an eight and four record? That would be, that would be yeah, a little crazy. That, that's pretty crazy. But, but I mean, you look at what happened this year, and you have the Fresno State win, you have the San Diego State win. This team's capable of some upset wins, so you never know what's quite going to happen with this football team.
1: Yeah, considering, well, we did play down to our competition in conference. That splitting is it definitely true. Floor, and that, that, that really hurt true. us in the end. But yes. can we get a win at UNLV? Right. Can we get a win at San Jose State, who they played here last year and they gave us a battle even yep. though we came out and got the win?
0: Right. Yeah, No, It's going to be a great was- season. 2020 is going to be one that I believe is going to be a positive for the Wolfpack, one that people are going to be watching intently. Hopefully they give out get out to Mackey. But that is it for 2019 football talk um an all right year from football seven and six taking one step back from last year but ultimately like you said a really young team that has a lot of bright future and a bright pieces to look ahead to let's talk about some women's basketball they haven't um been off to maybe the start that we envisioned um i had really high hopes for this team going into the year honestly i i thought this team was going to finish um, maybe top five of the Mountain West. I thought that um, with our pieces that we have, we can um, really kind of make a difference. I think Coach Levens, too, is one of the best coaches that we've had in a, in a little bit. And uh, I thought she had this team going right. But now we are 7-7 seven and seven on the season, 0-3 oh, in conference after two straight Mountain West conference losses. Uh, we had that five-point loss to Colorado State. That was a heartbreaker. That was probably one we should have had. Um, definitely, they, I think they were – Pick to finish fifth or sixth in the preseason Mountain West, sixth, yeah, yeah. Sixth. preseason Mountain West, um, polls, so definitely not a bad team. But then we p- went to Boise, traveled to Boise, played arguably the best women's basketball team in the Mountain West, yeah. Boise State Broncos. Our,
1: I don't even know if it's arguable,
0: right? Yeah, they, they are, are they're I mean, really year after year after year. I mean, it's like no one can compete, they're truly a powerhouse team here in the Mountain West. We actually had the lead, I think, after the first quarter. Going into the second quarter, we had the lead. Uh, ended up with a 14-point loss to Boise State. Um, number one team in the conference, Boise is, but still didn't doesn't excuse the fact that we scored only 40 points in that game. I don't think one person scored in double-digit scoring. Margaret Effa with a team-high nine points. Team-high nine points. Uh, we are now currently sitting 10th out of 11 teams in the conference. Uh, a horrible way to start conference is 0 and 3 and now we're truly on an uphill battle looking at our next couple games. Uh, we have a San Jose State team who actually isn't that bad at women's basketball and then we have a Utah Utah State who is probably the worst team. They are sitting 11th out of in 11 teams in the conference right now and um yeah, let's talk about that Boise State game, man. Barely 40 points, not one player in double digit scoring and then what we've been kind of seeing here at Pac Center, I don't know if you've been saying, seeing the same thing, is Essence Booker arguably is, well, or unarguably, is probably the best player on this team. Uh, she can score. She kind of reminds me a lot of uh, Jalen Harris. He, she can kind of score whenever she kind of wants to. Uh, she has that ability to kind of be a lockdown scorer. But when she doesn't have the game she really wants to have or can have, um, this team really, really struggles. And I don't think, and I personally think it's because we don't have a number two or someone else that can really step up and kind of take the load of the scoring and say, you know what, I'm going to score for this team and um, you know put the team on my back. And I don't think we have some. We've seen Marguerite Effa kind of score some. We've seen Imani Lacey score some. We, But we don't, haven't seen that second, that second man up and behind Essence to kind of lead this team.
1: Yeah, in a lot of ways, I see where you're coming from. A good game to point to, what you were talking about, was first off the Boise State game right. where – um, what, what are not many positives to take away besides a, a solid third quarter where we shot 50% from the field, mm-hmm. but shooting 29% for the game is tough. But another good game to kind of reference on was the game at the, uh, old, old Virginia city street gym. Right. At, um, who, who were we playing? We were playing air force, air force. But we, we lost that game. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you know what? We had a lead going into the third quarter mm-hmm. and ended up getting outscored 15 to three in the fourth ultimately kind of deterring us right. to the point where we're in the season now. And that right. kind of showed where Essence has such a strong hold on this team. Sorry about that. No,
0: oh. uh, <laughs> I can always cut. You're good. <laughs> Shit, boss. Um,
1: uh, No, Essence Burker started the game out strong, but then got taken out with foul trouble in early, mm-hmm. early shooting struggles. And we failed to really find our rhythm and we couldn't really find a second score. And a head coach, Amanda Levins, talked about that saying we need – more we right. need more from our girls at this right. point in the year and it's not these and a lot of it at the same time is not sh- just so much shooting struggles it's serious mental mistakes it's a lot of turnovers mm-hmm. it's a lot of and it's not just turnovers where you dribble the ball out of bounds it's live ball turnovers right. that turn into points in transition like that Yep, and teams take advantage of that but i have a lot of faith in this team this team has a lot of depth mm-hmm. Head, the one thing i do give credit. Uh, Levin's a lot of credit for throughout the year. She is going to her bench deep. She, we are almost oh, yeah. eight or nine players deep. Almost every you game. See, you see the loss to Boise State 21 minutes, 30 minutes, 24, 19, 18 for the starters. Yep. Off the bench. Michaela Mayo, 24. Dom Phillips, 24. 16 for Jacqueline K.
0: Yep.
1: 15 for Amaya West. And that that's really, really says something. Oh, and nine minutes for Deja Hamilton, mm-hmm. another experienced fast guard. So she's. I think we will eventually kind of come together as a unit, but at the moment, I know the offensive struggles is the easiest thing to point to at this right. point
0: in the year. So. Well, and I think we play decent on defense. I think that we can lock teams down. I mean, you saw it. It's such a small sample size, but that first half, I will even extend it to the first half in that Boise State game, that it's we can really shut down teams, and you look at Boise State, the first um, that first half, I mean, that first quarter, they were 2-14 from the field. That second quarter, they are 5-for-17. So that first half, they were shooting around, I mean, 25% from the field that first half. So it's like our defense can play, but then, I mean, it's it's exactly like you've been saying. It's like who else is going to step up? And that's the number one thing that we've been hearing from Levins is this team is so deep, this team is so deep. Um, we have so much depth. We're going to play, you know, nine, eight people a game. But then it's like, well, yeah, you're playing, I mean, 10 for against Boise. You're playing 10 people deep, but is anyone really – Given you the offensive productivity to be playing 10 people deep. I mean, Marguerite Effa had nine points and she only played 21 minutes. Arguably, she should be playing the game 31 minutes. If she if she's the leading scorer, she should be in there way more. And I think you know, players like Marguerite Effa, um, Alyssa Jimenez, who is a freshman, but she's been putting up some decent minutes. Uh, she's a solid player. So I'm just wondering who you see that can really step up behind Essence Booker and somehow, you know, turn this team around because an 0-3 start in conference can turn to 0-5 real quick, and then can turn, you know, that's just, and then we're fighting already, I think, with an 0-3 record in conference. This is already a very, very hard uphill battle, and I just don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the year. I just don't know who else is going to step up. Do you you see some sort of remedy for this team going on with uh, the rest of the Mountain West Conference?
1: Well, I think one of the good things to point to is if we do have a certain offensive struggle in terms of, you know, you can argue it's three-point shooting. Right. Two for 17 against Boise State. That yep. is atrocious. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the players, one of our most prominent shooters on the team is Jacqueline McKay, uh-huh. a former Juco transfer. And she's been known to score in bunches. She scored nine straight. She can give you nine straight from three-point range. If you need someone to stretch the floor, you can look to her. If you're looking for someone down low, I think Margaret, Marguerite Effa mm-hmm. and Imani Lacey have been a double Right, like a one-two punch down low, and they've been playing really well for that matter throughout the year. But when it comes to kind of backcourt scoring, it's really tough. It's really tough because sometimes you'll see uh, you'll see Deja Hamilton get minutes, mm. and she'll give you a lot of energy off the bench immediately. But then as the game settles, she may make some mental errors where right. she'll give the ball up, she'll force it inside, and cause turnovers. And
0: I see that a lot in Jenna Williams too. She, she kind of starts off hot, but then at the end of the te- end of the game, she might have four or five assists, but she's going to have four or five turnovers as well. So
1: And at the same time, that's where a lot of the scoring load does rely on. Right. Essence Booker in terms of the backcourt scoring, but we have a group to be able to share the load offensively. It doesn't mm-hmm. all have to be on one player. Right. And that's that's where I have all the faith in the world and Levin's and her ability to really just get her goals in the right place for that matter.
0: Right. And, I mean, this is a very, very young team. Um, we have a lot of freshmen, now sophomores that played a lot last season, and then we have a lot of transfer um, yeah,
1: players as champions. well. Right, Our and
0: champions. that they're they're pretty young as well. I mean, transfer uh, juniors, so- sophomores, and then we have, obviously, um, the grad transfer and Marguerite Effa. We have a lot of pieces, but, it. I mean, it, you hate to every year say, all right, well, now we're going to look ahead to next year. Now, you know, the team is so young, now we're going to look ahead to next year. And, I mean, at a certain point, you can't, keep saying we're going to look ahead to next year. Um, but are we in that situation, or is it a little too early to um, say the sky's falling with this team?
1: I would say it's a little bit too early. Right. I know 7-7 seven and seven overall at this point in the season isn't bad, but right. the 0-3 in conference kills you. That's the knee jerk. It's like,
0: oh, you need to watch the, the Mountain West. Because now it's, I've been saying it, but it's, it's such an uphill battle now, man. It's It really is. Three, ki- three losses don't kill you, but it's three losses back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, straight off Mountain West Conference, that's what I'm worried about.
1: Well, the good thing is to hopefully rebound is we have two games, right. two back to backs, winnable, San Jose State, very winnable games. Utah State at home in Lawler, right? And then hopefully we can, if we get a couple wins under our belt, can easily take a road win against Wyoming, right. and then we return back home against San Diego State, another good team in right. women's basketball. But that we've played up to our competition in a lot of games. If you've seen the Utah game, right? At Utah. 68 Crazy sixty-two game. loss. That was a heartbreaker.
0: I mean, that was a. We were a, th- uh, a three-pointer away from tying that game up, and yep. I mean, that w- they won by six. But that game was not a six-point game.
1: It was maybe a one-to-two-point game throughout right. the course of the whole four quarters. But mm-hmm. when we play up to our competition, sometimes we play down to our competition. Yes. First win in conference would have been huge against Air Force, yep. but we let it slip and through our hands. And and that we Colorado State stumbled. game,
0: that Colorado State game too, I think was, we let it slip out of our hands as well. And that was a very winnable game. And uh, we right now we realistically should be sitting, um, what is that, nine, nine and five, and... two and one in conference. That's what yeah, we should you be sitting. At. be that. Right, and that would be we'd ha- be having a lot different conversation here uh, this morning. But we are seven and seven, zero oh and three in conference. We now look ahead, like you've been saying, we are at home for the next two games. We got Wednesday, six thirty p.m. The Spartans come to visit Lawler Events Center. And then we have Saturday at 1 p.m., Utah State comes to visit um, Lawler as well. That Wednesday night game is the Special Olympics night. And then Saturday is the Pride game. Um, I like how the women's team always does something for their home games. Like mm-hmm. every game, there's always something going on. The um, some kind of theme or some you know something like that. I think that's something that the men's team kind of look at too. But um, I really like how they do that. So it's always fun in Lawler Lawler Event Center when the women's team come to play. And um, yeah, these next couple games are looking favorable. We'll see how we can do and look to make you know maybe get some wins here in the conference schedule as we continue. Um, but last but definitely not least, let's take a look at this men's basketball team because holy moly, man, they have been on a roll as of late. Took care of business on Wednesday Colorado State that was a little bit of a um, nail biter a little bit not too bad um, they gave us a run for our money though 6761 on Wednesday night was it it was at Colorado State
1: no no it, it was, was at home that was, was right. Right. That was right it was, it was at home it was and it shouldn't have been a 67 61 right. game whatsoever right happened,
0: but it was should definitely should have not been and then to lead to 20 at one point right it yeah. should have probably been like the Boise State game and uh, we won that game handedly on Saturday again in Lawler uh 83 to 66. We are now 3 and 0 in conference play. We are 10 and 5 on the season. We uh the other teams that are 3 and O's is obviously San Diego State, one of two undefeated teams in the country ranked 13th even though that might change today. I think they could yeah. get a top 5 before as of are recording the polls are not out yet. I've I don't think some,
1: so. I've seen some pre-ones. Okay. Put them up at six yeah I was gonna say, six. that's pretty crazy i
0: was gonna that's... say top 10 well they they have to be top 10 i mean After they were 13th one. they took a commanding win um over utah state that was a great game to watch as well but um yeah so obviously san diego state arguably one of the best teams in the country obviously right now the best team in the mountain west and we are three and zero rank in the conference play ranked with them and then the little brothers down south that was kind <laughs> of uh That was kind of a surprising one. I didn't think two Nevada teams would be undefeated in conference at this point, but we are. Uh, They had a surprising win over that Utah State team. That was kind of crazy as well. A horrible loss um, by Utah State, though. That's going to—that might hurt them.
1: They were conference favorites easily, number one, the Mountain West. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean—
0: For good reason. Great reason. But then you look, and uh, now we're talking about possibility of at-large bids, and then you look at this loss, and it's like— Utah State might not have such an easy step to mm-hmm. an at-large bid now, yeah. especially with the way things are going. They just lost San Diego State, as we said, and um, you never know how the season's going to go for the Aggies. But with this win against a great or a good – A good team. A good a Boise good State Boise. team. Um, this this team is definitely not one that you can just lie around and still beat. This team has an impressive win. Um, that Boise State team has an impressive win over BYU. Um Jazz put up 34 points. Career high. Seven rebounds. Lindsey Drew, 14 points, nine assists. This team is starting to play together, man. If if uh, Mountain West doesn't watch out, Nevada can come and uh, kind of run house. But uh, we have, I would say now we have to be in a top three conversation with Utah State and San Diego State. I think if you're looking at the Mountain West, I think if you look at the top three, it has to be us, Utah State, and San Diego State. Now, I don't think it's a clear yeah, it's I don't think there's a clear second. I think there's a clear number one. You think it's I SDSU at right. this point, and but I don't think there's a clear number two. two because, granted, Utah State's very, very skilled. They have a lot of talent. They're very, they're, they know what they like to do and they do it very well. They have a good coach. They're well, whatever. They have everything, but I don't think this team is a is a clear cut number two team in the Mountain West. I think that uh, with the way Nevada is playing, you can make an argument saying we are the second best team in the Mountain West right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially. That Boise State win showed it right. all. It
0: really... That gosh. was a game that scared me, man. It re- Before the game, it scared me. But we took we, care of business.
1: We hit more threes than you. It's as simple as yeah, that. Yeah, seriously. I mean, holding, for real. Holding Boise State, who was top three in three-point percentage coming into Lawler, five for 26. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's even worse because they hit two of their first threes to start the dang game. Right. We held them to almost two of 22 shooting from three in the second half. Yeah, Meanwhile... We shoot almost 50% from three-point range, 14 of 29. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of scary how explosive this team can get and how right. hot yeah. we string together baskets. It is really fun to watch right now, and wow, we are playing as such a collective unit. It's, it's crazy just how, wow, like, you never know. We have four or five guys, it seems like, who can go off each and every night. Right. Obviously, with Jazz, Lindsey, Jalen, and Zane Meeks off the bench right now has been a huge, huge spark plug for us against the game against Colorado State. Mm-hmm. He was two points away in halftime from tying his career high. Right. But obviously, he, didn't. he went scoreless in the second half, but still gave that energy on the defensive end. When it when you have four or five guys who can almost take control of a game, I mean, if you're head coach Steve Alford, that is so many pieces to mm-hmm. put together. And then having guys like Nizre Zuzwa, right. John Carlos Reyes, KJ Himes giving you energy down low. And uh-huh. it's it's really, really coming together. And I didn't think this at the start of the right. year, but wow, we are really making strides as a program right now. It's yeah,
0: really cool. You're, you're reading my mind because there's so many talking points that I want to talk to. You kind of hit on all of them. Let's talk about the three-point shooting uh, to begin with because you look at this three-point percentage um, against Boise. We were 14 for 29 from deep. But then you look at the players that tr- – can traditionally hit threes. You look at Jalen Harris; he was two for six, not not the best. Not the best. You look at Nisre Zuzwa, who has made strides from last year, and um, not only his shooting, but just his ability to kind of take over a game a little bit. You've seen him get to the yeah. rim, get and ones. He's been he's been great, right? Almost a nine day difference from last year. He was zero for three against Boise. So you take those two players, and it's like, okay, if they shoot how they regularly shoot, we're we're shooting sixty yeah. percent from You're, three.
1: That's almost eighteen for twenty nine, easily. And I that mean, is, you really think about and
0: that's that. crazy to think about, is how well this team can score. And then you look at uh, you look at Colorado State, and we'll just talk about the defense now. that You kind of hit on as well. Um, Nico Cavacho, or Cavacho, an animal. I mean, this dude yeah. is unreal. I mean, All Mountain West team last year, preseason first team this year. I thought he was going to go to the draft last year. I mean, this this dude might be playing in the NBA next year just because how dominant he is. He had only thirteen points against us. He only had nine rebounds. This dude can easily put up a 20-point, 12, 13-rebound game. Yeah. We really held him. I think he had four points in the first half. And that that was kind of like, well, this team is not only just a prolific scoring team. This team can shut down players when they want to. You look at Alston, 15 points, two rebounds, three assists. I mean, he's coming into the game. He was averaging 21, 22 points a game. We held him to 15. This, this, this team... Um, I saw all over Twitter preseason that defense was gonna be their kind of especially when um oh my god, why am I blanking on his name? When Muslim. No, when saying? what's his name left? The uh, Oh oh, Jordan Brown? Nope. One that was gonna start here and then he oh, like real Eric, like, Parrish? Eric Parrish. When Eric Parrish left, everyone was thinking we were gonna have a real, real hard time covering wing players and just having like another person kind of playing defense. But now you look at it, it's like we're taking the the their top player almost out of every single game, and who's kind of been at the center of that is um, Zane Meeks. We saw him against what was it USC against their big man mid game, right? Yeah. Ra- yeah, Rakochevich. Yeah, yeah. He kind of um, I I saw him mid game literally say I- I'm on him. Like he told the entire team as a freshman, he said I'm on him. He shut him down. And um, our defense has been a very, very surprising, bright spot for this team. One that I think, um, you know, we see it post game. though, is like, oh, yeah, the, the offense is going to come. All the players say it. Even Alfred says it. The offense is going to come. We want to keep focusing on our defense. And that the they focusing they have because this team is a very, very bright um, defensive basketball playing team. And this team can really shut down teams, I think.
1: I think that's been the most impressive stride we've right. made this year is defensively. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned it with Nico Carvacho. Last year, coming in, he was first in rebounding yep. coming into Lawler last year, and what did Musselman do? Put Trey Porter, Jordan Brown, mm-hmm. and Trey Sean Thurman on him—a trio just yeah. to keep him off the boards. Right. Coming into this, this season coming into Lawler, right, third, and with ten point three rebounds, third in the Mountain West, and Alfred kind of instituted the same thing. He put right. a combination or like a trio of KJ Himes, Carlos Reyes, and Zane Meeks on him, mm-hmm. and we limited. Yep. We just held him off the boards, and it was so impressive. And early on in the year, Alfred really pressed being hard on his young front court guys like KJ. Like, obviously not a young guy, but the grad transfer in John Carlos Riggs mm-hmm. and the young guy. And Zane Meeks to really step up, not just on offense, but down low and to start fast breaks. And you've really seen their development and their confidence as skyrocketing. It seems like... Whenever one or even two of them come into the game, Mm -hmm. they're shutting people down. They're getting on the boards. They're getting offensive second chances like the game against Colorado State when KJ scooped up that offensive rebound off a missed free throw and put it back. It was so impressive. Alfred has these guys, especially kind of focusing down low in the front court, playing so hard right now. I was just really impressive so far.
0: Yeah, and you look at that Boise State game and the stat sheet for... Um, KJ Himes definitely did not do anything um, spectacular. I mean, six rebounds, didn't score a point. He had four personal fouls, but I think he had five rebounds and one personal foul in the very beginning of the game. And I was, and I pack center. I, I even tweeted. I was like, this is we're we're seeing glimpses, very very small glimpses, sample sizes, of why he was chosen preseason Mountain West or uh, Freshman of the Year, and it's because. I mean, he really can show up in games. This was probably arguably one of the best games he's played. And as a very, very young guy, obviously redshirted last year, didn't play at all. And then now it's like this this young kid might have a very, very bright future. Him and along with Zane Meeks. Um, Zane Meeks has obviously obviously been the um, sixth man now. I think mm-hmm. uh, well-deserved. I think he should be the first guy coming off the bench in almost every game. The Boise State game, six points, four rebounds. Two assists, two turnovers. One of them coming off of that Mahomes-esque throw. That I was watching that. Um, I was watching that at home. I got off late at work, couldn't make it to the game. Watched the rest at home, and I was watching that. I was like, "What the heck did he he just do?" But I mean, that's just that's exactly what Coach Alfred said after the game. It's inexperience. It's young. (laughs) It's literally young players just thinking, uh, "I'm having a pretty good game so far. I could just do whatever I want." And, um, but he, he really impressed me this game. Is Zane Meeks starting to become like the, the go to pack player that we need if we need a spark, if we need anything? Because he's really surprising me and really playing well. Um, what do you like to see? What are you liking from Zane Meeks? I think he has a really, really bright future if he can just calm down the little you know the inexperience a little bit i think he has a very very bright uh, bright future here in nevada
1: yeah you've you've hit it right on the head i think if we're looking for some sort of offensive spark right. he's the first guy we go to and he's definitely. been getting put into games so early we're talking with 11 12 minutes left in the first half right zane get in well, get I was in even for jigin before
0: i have seen it before before the first media timeout I mean, and he, he's right there ready to go in and he's he's definitely that that sixth man coming off the bench if you're seeing his game on the floor
1: uh, first thing that comes to mind is confidence. If you saw the Colorado State game, uh, we got Jazz. It's almost like a four on five at some point with mm-hmm. Zane trailing. And Jazz just gives him a scoop. And we're talking almost like a 33, 34-footer. He just right. steps right into it and drains yep. a, a deep, deep NBA level three.
0: There's no doubt this dude can shoot.
1: No confidence. Just so much confidence right. in his game right now. Right. It's oozing out of him. And... Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you you'll look at his box score and you'll say oh wow he's he's had a great game you know 14 off the bench with six rebounds but the thing i'm most impressed by is during post-game pressers and even like communication on the floor you'll always see him take accountability for a oh, lot yeah. of his mistakes he will anytime there's a question asked about his individual performance he says well i got to improve on this you know yeah. coach coach and my right. teammates my are,
0: teammates set me up Yeah, my teammates
1: set mm-hmm. me up hey coach needs to emphasize that i need to do this better right. and it's He's really getting it, and right. it's so impressive. I I was just, and this really speaks to the future of him as a right player with the Wolfpack. It's going to be impro- It's going to be crazy just how good he can really become.
0: I was just about to say he's played He played at Brewster, um, a, a very very high level basketball academy. Uh, granted, I think it was only for one year. Yeah, it was just his his very last year. But that though, that's a very very high level basketball academy, and one has to wonder now especially as what we're seeing we're like we've been seeing it's just small bite-sized pieces but we might be sitting on a gem here in Zane Meeks who can who can impact the team for a lot of years to come and to really have a bright spot on this team for the multiple um kind of the start of the Alfred era but one thing that has impressed me um as we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now is Before the season started, earlier in the season, one thing that I have been focusing on and is one thing that I've been very, very concerned with is the way we can rebound. Um, Earlier in the season, we saw John Carlos kind of not really, I don't want to say impressed, but kind of just people were kind of weary about him. It was like in the first couple games, we didn't really see what he can do. Um, KJ was fouling at an atrocious rate. He, He couldn't even stay in the game, and we didn't really have... Robbie was really really shaky to start the season and I didn't I thought our front court was going to struggle and I didn't think we we're going to have any rebounding ability because our, our rebounds were coming from Lindsey coming from yeah, Jay Lynn. Yeah. double digits from both of them at right. one point this year so. right and it was like if our backcourt's putting all the rebounds in it's like how's our front court going to do anything we have no scoring from them we have no rebounding and that was one thing where I was like if we cannot figure out this rebounding battle it's going to be a very very long day for a long season for the Wolfpack um but against Boise, we won the rebounding battle against a pretty good rebounding team, 37-27, to 27, out-rebounded by 10. And that's kind of something that we can really, really hang our hats on. Um, you look at this Colorado State game, our rebounds, we have 36 rebounds. Granted, they have 38, but we're still putting up 35-plus rebounds. And um, it's hard to out-rebound a team when you have N- Nico Carvacho on your team. But this team is rebounding the ball at a very, very efficient rate. I don't know if you could pick out one, one like just one, down spot. One area of improvement for this team, what would that be? What what can we really work on as this Mountain West Conference continues to uh steamroll on? The first thing that would
1: come to mind is rebounding, but right. we've really we've uh, and this once again goes to the coaching staff yeah. uh, by Alford. We're really really stepping in We're up improving with, it by tenfold it, with KJ Zane, John Carlos, and Robbie Robinson who had six rebounds last game. Robbie's He's been He's been great. Down.
0: Low. Robbie has been improving at a very, very I- increased rate, and it's right, it's nice to see.
1: This this may be a surprise, but I think it, we have to look back on the offensive end. Okay. I think it's more of an emphasis on sharing the basketball. And the reason why I say that is because you look at the Boise State game, eighty-three to sixty-six. Mm-hmm. We could have almost won by twenty-five plus. We were holding a twenty-point lead.
0: Most of that for most half. of the second yeah, half. Right.
1: I mean, we outscored him 40, 40, 44 to thirty-one. Yep. And I want to say assists matter because mm-hmm. it's so important. When you have 21 assists as a team, wow. And when yeah. you're getting, when you're sharing the ball, unselfish basketball, and you're getting jazz around screens, and you're letting yep. them just shoot, shoot, shoot. Mm-hmm. You're getting guys jailing on a backdoor cut for a dunk. When you emphasize sharing the basketball as a team, it makes a huge difference. And I right. think it really gives us that energy on the other end. So I would want to just... Continue that because I don't know how many twenty plus assist games we've had this year, but it's not right. too many.
0: Not too many at all. But when we do,
1: you see blowout wins. Texas Southern yep. was a great one against exactly Jalen Harris's old team, so that right. was that was pretty impressive right, during right. his return. So it's been, I I would say that would be the biggest focal point is if we can just keep. Sharing the basketball instead of relying on isolated scoring because we have too many weapons on this team to yeah. really be zoned in on one guy.
0: Well, and I hate to talk about last year, but that was one thing. Last year was like None. we had no assists. None. I mean, it was literally like Boise State had five assists. I'm pretty sure we had four against Florida in that first round, ma- or in that uh, March Madness loss, and that was you know that thing is like we had no assists like at all no one could pass the ball it seemed like and this is and i totally agree with you as as these assist totals keep um stacking up i don't think that there is a team we can't beat when we have 20 plus assists i really don't no way
1: no right. way cuz that means everyone's getting involved that yep. means everyone's hitting their shots more importantly
0: right. yeah and um and like we've been saying there's there's room for us to hit more shots which was kind of crazy i mean isra kind of had an off night Jay Lynn, he had 15 points kind of had an off night.
1: Speaks to the ceiling of this team. And Crazy. Gotta give a little props to Kane Milling off the bench last night. Yes. Game. He was great. Yes. He really spark another spark and another one of these Alford guys that just really speaks to the future and development right. of our program. He's
0: experience. gonna be he's gonna be a bright spot to look at um for the next coming years for sure. I think he's gonna be the point the point god, point guard yeah. to take over Lindsay Spot, who is unarguably. The point guard, you see him with nine assists against Boise. But now we look ahead. Wednesday at 7 in San Jose State, we're taking on the Spartans. That one is not televised, I do not believe. Um, just kind of be listening, I guess. I think you can get it on Wolfpack Radio somehow. Um, but then we are in Logan, facing on the Aggies of Utah State, 5 p.m., on Saturday that is on CBS Sports Network that's a big one it's going to be huge that is a big game if we can knock off the Aggies um i think there's no doubt in my mind that we are the second the second best team in yeah. the Mountain west especially if we take down utah state um but looking ahead to san jose state that should be a team that we take care of business they are 5 and 11 on the year 1 and 3 in conference they just had that crazy upset stunner win um, against New Mexico. Would have been just a little bit better if it was in the pit. <laughs> I but, know. Uh, I, but like it, ours a couple right, years ago. Right, right. That, that would have been cool. But they did um, they d- did beat New Mexico, and that was that's a crazy win. New Mexico has been consistently top five um, this year. They did have two suspensions that has kind of been headlined uh, yeah. as of late. It's really hurting the team as well, We're, if you haven't noticed. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, <laughs> losing to San Jose State. I mean, that is... Um, definitely not good. But, yeah, they've lost a couple games now, and they look to kind of be on the downward trend from those two suspensions. That will be a close headline to kind of stay um, attached to, see if they come back. That's really going to hurt their team if they are out for the season. Um, I saw one headline that one might be coming back, but don't quote me on that. It's kind of a foggy subject. No one's releasing anything. Right, no one's releasing any info, so we don't really know what's going on over there in New Mexico. But um, San Jose State took care of business. One player to look for in, against when we take down uh, San Jose State on Wednesday would be Bray Av- uh, Ivy. Um, uh What is that? Seneca? How do you say that? The, mm. the second guy on there? Yeah. Seneca Knight? Seneca Knight. Right. Seneca, Seneca Knight is their leading scorer um, of the overall season. But you look at their last three, four games, Bray Ivy has been – consistently leading the team, led the team to an impressive win over Pepperdine. Pepperdine is not a bad team at all.
1: It's a good non-office
0: win. Right, definitely. So this team is definitely not the best of Mountain West teams. We should definitely take care of business, but they're a team to not sleep on as well. So um, the average 15 turnovers a game, if we force at least 14, 10 to 15, I think we should be fine. How do you think this game is going to go? Do you think there is a way they can upset, or uh, is this a team that we should definitely just steamroll?
1: I think this game is going to be a little bit closer I don't know what if there's like a spread opening that we're right. a double-digit favorite, but we should not be playing down to the San Jose State Spartans at all because they actually have a lot of talent on this team. Yeah. They have a good backcourt, um, not as big as us in the frontcourt, which is kind of funny considering we're a little bit undersized, right. but another game that we just have to keep sharing the basketball, keep rebounding, and if we're sticking hot from three-point shooting, keep relying on that. Alford's kept saying, hey, if we're attempting 25 threes as a team, that's fine with me. So keep relying on what's gotten us this far, and this this matchup should be no different. Right? Just uh, don't play down to your competition.
0: It's as yeah, simple as that. that. It is as simple as that. We should definitely take care of business. Bray Ivy went off for 23 points against that Pepperdine. Uh, man, that's an impressive win. Pepperdine just held Gonzaga to a hell of a game, and Gonzaga's... West Coast Conference play. So Pepperdine is not a bad team at all. I think we win this game. I think it is closer than um, people expect. We we are in San Jose. Uh, Granted, they don't really come out for their basketball games too much, but, I mean, it's different from being in Lawler. Definitely Mm -hmm. a different environment. Um, I think we win this game by around 8 to 10 points. I think it's way closer than people think, but I do think we take care of business. We cannot start losing games that we should be winning in the Mountain West, especially now we're playing very well. We're 3-0. We cannot lose one, you know, by win to San Jose State to make a 3-1 and on the year. Um, so we should be playing – we should be 4-0 in conference coming into Saturday, and that is where things will get interesting. Utah State is a whole other animal when you're comparing them to San Jose State. They just lost, however, 77-68 to to that all-impressive San Diego State team. We all know about the hype last year's Mountain West Conference um, tournament. Win, winning team, went all the way to the Mountain West as well. I'm pretty sure they – did they win their first ga- – con- Are no, you talking didn't...
1: about you, San Diego State?
0: Wait, who did I, I say? Because
1: San Diego State won the Mountain West tourney. Oh, okay, year. that's
0: right. That's right. Utah State won the regular Utah season.
1: City, we shared it last year. Yes. Co-Mountain
0: co- West uh, regular season champions. But they did go to the Mountain – or the March Madness last year. They lost in the first round though, right? I believe – uh, but they had they have everyone coming back pretty much. They have um, name is Queta. they have Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill, they have Justin Bean. They do have a lot of pieces over there, Utah State. Queta actually only played, I think four games this year. yeah, got He's hurt, got hurt right He's coming back. So. He we got hurt when he was playing for Portugal in the um, I think it was FIBA, something with FIBA yeah. over the summer and uh, hurt his knee, his meniscus, I want to say. But it was his fourth game of the season when they played SDSU. He had 15 points, 14 rebounds, three blocks. Looked like he kind of didn't miss a step. But if you did watch this game, you noticed that he was very slow to do anything. Yeah, really. Especially was,
1: coming up the floor. No transition offense. He was none. not in the frame whatsoever.
0: Right. Not not even in the camera frame until at least <laughs> five, six seconds after they ran it down. the So obviously fatigue was a big, big factor in this game. But when Quaid is on the on the court along with Sam Merrill, along with Justin Bean, along with all the players that they had last year. This team is very very scary, and we are traveling to Logan, Utah. Arguably one of the biggest games of the year come on, comes on Saturday. How do you think this game is going to go? Do you think we can um, do you think we can pull out this game, man? Is there a way, or do do we do you think after this game we'll be four and one in conference?
1: I think after this game we're gonna be four and one right. and it's nothing against right. Nevada. This, it's right. just It's hard team. to
0: win five in a row, especially against Boise and Utah State. Yeah, it's, it's it's
1: coming yeah. off this is back to this is the second game of a back to back. we right. only three days in between. Right. I'm not and if I'm still expecting a dogfight fight at some point. Yes. But that team is loaded, loaded with talent. Not saying that we don't have any of our studs of our own, but right. I really think Utah State needs this win. Right. At this point, coming off a couple tough losses. And that's okay. That's why this San Jose State game is so crucial. You cannot slip back to back. And then exactly. if you fall one to the Spartans, you got three days later in a turnaround for the the Logan, yep. Utah, right. who we know it's a very raucous environment. And a
0: Definitely. lot of new
1: guys who have not been introduced to that type of environment, it's, it's going to be tough.
0: They're going to be a wake up call because we know the fans in Utah, man. They, uh, they're brutal, to say yeah. the least, man. <laughs> they are brutal to people that come into Logan. And uh, but I think one key to this game, if we had to give out one key, um, I don't know if you can really lock down Queta, especially with our front court. I don't know who you put on him. I don't. I'm hesitant to say Zane Meeks. I'm hesitant. To, I just don't know. KJ, uh, maybe John Carlos for right. the size, but it's hard, man. I mean, he's gonna. If you put Zane or KJ on him, KJ especially, he's gonna bully him, bro. He's gonna. You could see what he did to. Um, the San Diego State front court give him the ball on the post and he will he will back you down all the way till he's literally standing under the hoop and he, all he has to do is just lay it in or dunk it in and um I don't know if anyone in our front court can lock, lock him down but I know for a fact if we do win this game it'll be because we locked down Sam Miro. Yeah. and I think and that is definitely the number one where you have to say if we do anything in this game and we want to win it all, we have to lock down Sam Merrill. He led the um, the team in points when they played SDSU, 26 points. But you look at his field goal, 8-for-21. While it's not horrible, definitely not the best at all. And um, and I think that's one of the reasons San Diego State won because if, if Sam Merrill has the potential to go off for big, big games, and granted, like I said, he had 26 points. That's a pretty big game. But 8-for-21 uh, from the field – Three for 12 from the three-point line. That is definitely something, if you're an Aggie fan, at least, you do not like to see. And if we have one shot in this game, I think it would be lockdown Sam Merrill. Kind of hopefully contain Queda in some way. And then um, our offense goes off big time. And we have production from either Jalen or Jazz to really give us the boost over Utah State on Saturday. Uh, Hopefully we can get this win, man, but... It's not looking too good. I don't know what what are some keys for this game if we do if we do win this game what will we be looking back on and saying this is why we won.
1: I think one of them is don't let them live at the line. Yeah. That is so important. That's one of the things that we could be harking back on to those right. adjustments we were talking about is defending without fouling and especially when you have guys like Cueta down low. Yeah. Sometimes sending them to the line, sending him to the line especially could be worthwhile, but you don't want to rack up Fouls so early and early on in the game,
0: like especially because our team can foul, man. Yeah, you know and mean?
1: It's considering we have three guys we can interchange, but it's considering also we play two of them at the same time. Right. We're a little thin. Yeah. KJ racks up the fouls at some points. Right. He's got a lot of growth to get into in that Definitely. regard, but gives that energy. But that would be one of my biggest things: is defending without fouling. And if we aren't feeling it from three, don't be too, don't be too three point reliant. Right. We don't have to live and die by right. Long-range perimeter shooting. Mm -hmm. We got enough talent on this team to take a a lot of guys off the dribble. We got Jalen, Jazz, I like Nisray the way he's been driving. This has been great. I mean, it's it's been really impressive. So just find your offensive identity early. You don't have to live or die by one certain thing and defend without fouling, especially down low.
0: Definitely. And I think if we do those things and we lock down the players we have to lock down, It will be a dogfight in Logan, and we might be able to squeak out a win. Ultimately, I think after this week, we will be 4-1 in conference, like you say. Um, Definitely not a bad start to the conference schedule. As we look ahead, we have uh, San Jose State, Utah State, Wyoming, and then we're in SDSU in, what is that? What do they call their uh, – the Viejas. The Viejas Arena. Yeah, the arena in uh, SDSU. That's going to be a tough one. Then we have the Little Brothers coming up here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it'll be a good uh, five game stretch for the pack, I think. But after Saturday will be a very tough game. I think we'll be four and one in conference. And last, but definitely not least, as we wrap up the episode, we have this week's pack center player of the week. Um, if you do not know Isaiah, we have pack player of the week every single week. And this week, well, especially I mean, we have a couple down weeks. You know, we had a, the break, we had holiday break, we had New Year's, but we are back and doing it again. This week's. Uh, choices were Jazz Johnson, Jalen Harris, Carson Strong. Jazz Johnson had 34 points, seven rebounds, a career day against Boise, as we all saw. Jalen Harris, 35 points, nine rebounds, seven assists over the two games that happened last week. Pretty impressive. And then Carson Strong, who I think was one of the most impressive people in that potato bowl, 31 for 49, 402 yards, one touchdown, zero INTs. And we had a honorary Pack Center player of the week candidate. The fake Matt Mummy commented on our post and said Elijah Cooks. Yeah,
1: yeah. Career so, high 197 receiving yards, 14, 14 catches, catches, and a touchdown. I mean, you, yeah, you got to put him up there too. Right.
0: You definitely have to put him up there. Um, It was hard because you got to pick for three, and those are the three we picked, but then Elijah Cooks definitely had a choice to be on there as well. Seven likes for Elijah Cook on that one comment. So I'm tempted to give it to him, but with. 84% of the 74 votes that we got, it has to be Jazz Johnson. He got this week's Pac Player of the Week. Absolutely went off. I mean, when you have a career day against a very good Boise State team, you have to get this week's Pac Center Player of the Week. So congrats to Jazz Johnson on winning. Uh, definitely could have gone to Elijah Cooks. But all in all, end of the football season. We'll now be looking ahead to the 2020 season. As these new recruits come in and as we now look ahead to um, an all right non-conference and a decent conference schedule we can definitely win and uh, we have women's and men's basketball taking place this week as well so stay tuned to that baseball and softball are slowly getting started Um, look for a tj bruce interview that's on the rise we'll be having that in a couple weeks too to kind of give us a preview for these Uh, baseball season so a lot of stuff's happening as the spring semester's in full swing or about to be in full swing now Uh, thank you guys so much for listening thank you isaiah for coming on and uh, giving us your opinions on everything i appreciate it man oh
1: no problem thanks for having me on
0: yeah hopefully we we can do this again soon thank you guys for giving us your time giving us your ears and like always let's go pack